Good morning, brothers and sisters. Are you fired up here today in the West Region? It is so fantastic to be able to be here with you this morning. It's, it's been about five or six months since I've actually been in the pulpit and preached. I appreciate the brothers allowing me to go first in the service because that gives me all the time that I need. And so I appreciate that. Uh, a great deal. Now, I love to preach the word, but I like to be preached too as well. This is an interactive lesson. You want to hear from me and I want to hear from you. So if I say something that's true and God speaks to your heart, it's okay to say amen here. It might even be okay to say hallelujah. I appreciate so much, Ricky. We had such a fantastic time this past week. You've got incredible regional leaders here, and Ricky and Connie. Aren't they awesome? I also appreciate Kip and Elena so much and the opportunity to be here this morning. Kip is my teacher. He is my mentor. He is my spiritual leader. And I'm honored to be able to serve with Kip and Elena McKean. All right, let's get down to business. All right. Now, you know, it's interesting. We're going to talk about somebody today. It is Easter Sunday, right? Are you fired up about Easter? Oh, so, Some of you are just fired up to be in your Easter clothes. Jesus was resurrected. Amen, church. You know, um, we're going to talk and hear from a man today who actually saw the resurrected Christ. In Acts chapter 9, the great apostle Paul was able to see the resurrected body. So Paul's going to be talking to us today about something, not that he just heard about, but something that he actually saw with his very eyes. Paul's going to ask us today to use our imagination. What kind of imagination do you have today? You have a good imagination? Paul's going to ask us to critically use our imagination today. Title of my lesson is simply, what if? What if? And Paul, in 1 Corinthians, please turn in your holy scriptures over there. Go ahead and be on your feet. I always like to read the first scripture with everybody standing out of honor to God. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to start reading in verse 12. He poses a series of what if questions. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. We have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him 
if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But here it is in verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Go ahead and please be seated. This is Paul's first recorded letter to the church at Corinth. And Paul poses the question that what if there is no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, nothing we do as disciples matters. Your faith doesn't matter this morning. My preaching doesn't matter. Ricky's preaching doesn't matter. Heaven doesn't matter. Paul makes it clear. The gospel, heaven, our eternity swings on the hinges of a resurrected Christ. Sometimes we define many things by heaven. I got a great email this morning from a good friend of mine, and he said, John, give it to him this morning. <laughs> like, what do you mean, give it to him? Give it to him this morning. John, give him heaven. Amen. Sometimes we define many things by heaven. Sometimes we express surprise. We go, oh, heavens. Sometimes the older people, maybe like Michael, will say, oh, heavens to Betsy. Uh, by, by the way, who, who is this Betsy? And, and what does she have to do with heaven anyway? Sometimes we describe our problems by saying, heaven only knows. My son gets hungry late at night and he'll, he'll go, you know, I, I thank heaven for 7-Eleven. <laughs> but in verse 12, Paul says here, what if? What if there's no resurrection? What if there's no heaven? Have you ever allowed yourself to think such thoughts? You know, sometimes I'll get in that mind Well, I'll start, start thinking, what if there's nothing? And then I have to shut it down really, really quickly. And, and it's just, I, I don't like that. I was on a plane recently. And I don't know if you've seen this, but there's, there's this new Beatles movie that's out. And, and, you know, I apologize for those of you that are under 50. Uh, but the Beatles was, was, was one of the most famous groups in history. But they had this song, and, and during the movie, this song came on called Imagine. And in it, John Lennon says, imagine if there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. 
Only above us is sky. Imagine, imagine if that's all we had. And Paul asks us to critically think and to resolve this question in our hearts. Imagine. This is the big question this Sunday morning on Easter. The question is, where do you stand on the resurrection? Where do you stand? Do you reject it as some of the Corinthians or do you believe it? Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? This question necessitates us to make a decision. And it's actually the question that prompts Paul to write this letter to the church at Corinth. You know, it's interesting, this church at Corinth was one of Paul's most successful ministries. The city of Corinth was was fired up to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And they immediately grew exponentially. They grew in numbers and they grew in their spiritual gifts. This church had incredible spiritual gifts. But for all of its growth and for all of its potential, it was deeply disturbed with problems. You see, this church at Corinth was divided on many issues. They were split on on many theological topics. And and so there were often debates about these splits. They were even split on who their favorite preacher was. Some preferred Paul. Some preferred Apollos. Some like Ricky, but most of us like Kip. They were split on the issue of sexual immorality, litigation and legislation. They had doctrinal debates about the Lord's Supper, which we'll share and enjoy a little bit later this morning. They were split on the appropriate ranking of gifts, which which gifts are greater than other gifts in the church. They were split on glossolalia, which is speaking in tongues. And, and, and should we speak or should we not speak? And Paul said, you know, I'd rather you speak one intelligible word than a word that nobody understands. But they were split on this. But the biggest issue, the issue that prompts Paul more than anything else, the issue where he writes the, the largest number of verses in any chapter to this letter to the Corinthians, 58 verses, more than double any other verse in this book. The real heartbeat, the real issue of this book is the issue of the resurrection. And Paul goes and visits and he catches wind in this church that there are debates, that there are those who don't believe in the resurrection any longer. They don't trust the reality of the resurrection. Are there any of us like that here this morning? And so Paul begins with that. And he digs deep and he learns that this is really the product and the influence of Grecian philosophy. Namely, Plutarchian philosophy. Grecian Plutarchian philosophy says that there is no resurrection, says that the body is the, 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 the chamber of the soul. And, and Grecian 
Pluterian philosophy said that the greatest and highest use of the soul is to be extracted and to be free from the body to never enter the body again. And so they didn't believe in the resurrection of the body. And Paul said, you're wrong. And he gets word that Christians are being influenced by this Pluterian philosophy. And so he puts pen to paper and writes 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says in verse 13, very simply, if the dead in Christ are not raised, then Christ isn't raised. And if Christ isn't raised, then you know what? You and I are in a whole lot of trouble. How many have ever been in trouble before? Go ahead and raise your hand. I was in trouble this last week. I pulled up to a street corner. It was so nice and pretty outside. I, I rolled my window down, but I forgot that I had some papers on the dashboard. And so there were several cars behind me, several cars on both sides. I'm at the light with these cars and I pull off and the papers flew out the window. We get to the next light. The car on my left rolls his window down. The guy looks at me and starts waving his finger at me. Oh, you litter bug, you. I've never been called a litter bug in my life. He hurt my feelings. I'm serious. I, I, I was almost ready to cry. Litter bug. And I'm trying to explain, but I, I couldn't go back to get them because the cars were coming. You litter bug. And I was in a whole lot of trouble. But being a litter bug, being in trouble for being a litter bug is nothing compared to the trouble we're in if there's no resurrection of Jesus Christ. In verse 20, Paul says and makes a critical declaration. He says, get it straight. Christ has risen. Amen, church. Amen. Now, I told you I'd like to be preached back to. I said, Christ has risen. Amen. You know, this should make us so joyful this morning. This should make us so excited that Jesus has risen from the dead. You know, I'm tired of you CEO Christians. You say, what's a CEO Christian? You're a, you're a Christmas and Easter only Christian. I'm tired of those kind of Christians. I want to talk about the Christians that are excited about what Jesus has done and the resurrection. What a blessing we have. We can be joyful in all circumstances, the Bible said. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. We have best friendship with Jesus. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. We have the sweetest promises in the world. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. We have the great blessing of love and peace and grace and mercy and kindness. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. We have the brightest future. Why? Because Jesus raised from the dead. Heaven. We're heirs. 
And in case that's not enough, Paul says in 1 Peter chapter 1, he says you should be filled with an inexpressible joy in your faith. My question this morning is where's the joy? Maybe we're not tapping into the resurrection of now. He said you should be so joyful about your relationship with God, you should just be at a loss for words. I, 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 I can't even explain it. Let me tell you why the resurrection matters. I want to talk about two points today. Number one, the resurrection matters because it gives us a fresh faith. Number two, it matters because it gives us a fresh start. Back over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 15, the Bible, verse 14, it says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and, your, and so is your faith. How many of us need a fresh faith this morning? Amen. How many of us could use a little life blown into our faith this morning? Paul argues here in his what if statement that if Christ hasn't been raised in your faith is futile. That word in the Greek is kinos. It means that your faith is empty. The resurrection allows your faith to be full. But if Christ hasn't raised, then your faith is empty. He uses another word over in verse 17 that, 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 that your faith is also futile. And your, he uses a different Greek word there uh, in that passage. He, it's called matiaos. And that word means your faith doesn't work. In other words, if Elena and Connie had uh, two bags for everybody in this audience and everybody in here got a bag from Elena and everybody got a bag from Connie and you open the, the Kenos bag, you would look in the bag from Elena and there would have been nothing in there. She just gave you an empty bag. And, and Connie's bag in there, it, there's a nice, beautiful watch, but it doesn't work. And Paul says, that's what your faith is like without the resurrection. But because of the resurrection, we can have a fresh faith. Let me show you what God's uh, view and God's desire for your faith and my faith to look like. Turn over in James chapter 2. James chapter 2. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I'll explain to you why we're taking the time to look at this in just a minute. In chapter 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, Listen, my dear brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be what? Rich in faith and into an inheritance in the kingdom he has promised to those he loves. God's vision for us is for our faith to be rich. Now, I know a lot of us don't really know what being rich really is. And that's okay. But we need to understand what richness is in faith. It means to have more faith than you need. That you have so much faith that it's just pouring out of you. It's running all along the ground. You have more faith than you need or could ever use. And that's the faith God wants you and I to have. 
But if Christ hasn't raised, then your faith is empty and broken. But Christ has raised. And so you and I can have rich faith. Amen. We can have rich, fresh faith. Why is this important? Because sometimes, guys, that's all we have. There are times in your life when all you have is your faith. It gets so hard. It gets so difficult. Things are so out of your control that all you can do is turn to your faith and remember that God raised Jesus from the dead and say, because God raised Jesus from the dead, God is able. It's these times when that's all you got. Maybe you went into the hospital and you found out that you were ill and you, you don't know how you're going to get well. It's in those times you got to remember that Jesus was raised from the dead and God is able. Maybe you're trying to find a job and you've got the perfect resume. You think you are so hot. Nobody will hire you though. You can't believe they won't hire you. Can I preach? It's during those times you got to remember there's resurrection faith. Some of you have been dating and the world is tempting you to let go of your purity. You saw the hunk walking around on campus with the abs, everything, light in his eyes. They just sparkled when you looked into him and you said, there's not enough brothers and maybe I can baptize this one. And It's during those times when you need to have some fresh faith. And remember that God raised Jesus from the dead. Some of you brothers. I'm so mad at you brothers. I'm just kidding. Some of you brothers. You look around and there's just one of you and three sisters and you think you sold all that. You think you don't have to be spiritual? Have your quiet times? Study the Bible with people? Reach out to people? And you think the sisters are just going to take you anyway? It's during those times. You need to remember that God raised Jesus from the dead. You know, some of you right now, you're worried about the missions contribution. You don't know where the money's going to come from. But we've all been given the charge. Let's let's raise it so that we can see the world evangelized in our generation. I don't know where it's going to come from. I'm poor in money, but I'm rich in faith. And it's during these times that we got to go. You know, we serve a God that's able to create something out of nothing. You know, when it comes to God, we never have to worry about resources and their availability. Even if there's no more of something, there's still plenty with God because he creates everything out of nothing. Are you with me right there, church? And so it's during those times we need to have faith. 
You know, I appreciate the transition you've all gone through here in the West. It, it's been tough for you guys. Uh, you've had so many different leaders that have come through. And some of you may be wondering, why. Well, is anybody ever going to stick? I, I don't know. Only God knows that. All I know is that Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, let me tell you about something with transitions. Sometimes God lets us go through things just to bring us closer. And I know this. And, and Ricky and Connie, you have amazing leaders. Now you say, but, but I don't know them. They've only been here a few months. We'll get to know them. And don't make them win your trust. Don't spend a year. Well, let me just see if I can trust him and tiptoe along spiritually. Well, let me see if I can trust Connie and tiptoe along spiritually. Give them your trust. And then if they lose it, take it back. But give it to them. And I've asked them, and I've, I've said, hey, you guys need to give your trust to the people. They've been through a lot. But you know what? You're poised through faith to do unbelievable things. God has us right here on the UCLA campus. We have a captive audience right here. We're right here in Westwood and on the west side, one of the most highly populated areas of Los Angeles. What a blessing it is for us to be here. God is able, amen? amen. Now, some of us, our fresh faith we need, and, and our fresh faith needs to make us not worry or fear. There's too much fear and worry in the body of Christ. You know what? Your fears and your worries are not valid. By faith, we need to stop worrying and being fearful about anything. The Bible teaches that we should not worry because God will supply all of our needs. The Bible teaches that perfect love will drive out fear. And so we should not be controlled by fear in our lives. How many people in here listen to hip-hop? Gone and admitted. Now, this is the thing about hip-hop. Can I teach on hip-hop right here? Would you agree that there's a lot of bad in a, almost, almost everything but God, right? There's some bad in almost everything. Uh, there is a lot of bad in hip-hop. But every now and then, in hip-hop, a little bit of gospel kind of poke its way through. I was uh, watching LeBron James last year in game seven of the NBA Finals. He had his, he had his earphones in. They were in, they were in, Gold, they were in Golden State in Oakland to play the championship game. LeBron had his earphones in. One of the reporter asked him, who are you listening to? He says, I'm listening to a guy by the name of French Montana. And I said, okay. And they, they played a little bit of the song. And, and the song was just three or four words. The whole song was just three or four words that he was listening to. And then I was watching a boxing match a little bit later. And the, the boxer starts walking through the MGM Grand Hotel. And, and, and there's French Montana in front of the boxer walking him in, singing the same song. 
Just just three or four words, the whole song, just three or four words. And then it hit me. There's some gospel in that song. The song was simply called, I ain't worried about nothing. 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 Maybe some of us as disciples need to start singing the song, I ain't worried about nothing because Jesus died and was raised. Jesus defeated death on the cross. Christ has put all of his enemies under his feet. Christ reigns or and has dominion over death. God is neither stopped nor slowed by death. I ain't worried about nothing. When we see the dead, we need to understand that, that God is not hindered by death. He works through death on this side and on the other side. I ain't worried about nothing. Now, I know how some of you think. Well, if death is defeated, then, bro, why is there still death? For the disciple, there isn't. Verse 18, 1 Corinthians. For the disciple, there isn't any death. I ain't worried about nothing. <laughs> then those who have fallen asleep. I appreciate Paul putting that there. Disciples don't die. Disciples fall asleep. I ain't worried about nothing. Look over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. There's only two points in life. I don't know why y'all don't have an inexpressible joy. I do. 1 Thessalonians, look over in chapter 5, I ain't worried about nothing. Verse 10, there's only two points and positions in life. He died for us, amen church? So that whether we're awake, which we all are, right? Are, are we all awake in here? Or what? Asleep. I ain't worried about nothing. We may live together with him. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you're doing. Go ahead and tell your neighbor you ain't worried about nothing. The Bible term, the Bible term here, brothers and sisters, is reserved for disciples only. It's reserved for disciples only. We know from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that our bodies are perishing, right? Those of us that are getting older, we can look at our skin and it's a little crackier than it used to be when we were young. You know, we're, we're getting older and so we're perishing. By the way, some of you are perishing very, very nicely, by the way. Keep it up. 
but we don't perish. This word is reserved only for Christians. People apart from Christ die. And they die eternally. Why doesn't death go away? Permanently. Well, to help you understand that, we, we got to go back to 2012. December 8th, 2012. The MGM Grand Hotel. Manny Pacquiao versus Juan Marcos. It was dubbed as the fight of the decade. They fought the first time in 2004 and it was a draw. They fought again in 2008 and in 2011 and the fight was so close nobody knew who won. Pacquiao ended up uh, getting a split decision but the crowd roared that that he was that that Marquez was cheated and treated unfair and that he had actually won the fight. Manny Pacquiao, better known as Pac-Man, was a calm, straightforward fighter, just a swinging machine. On the other hand, Marcos was a laid-back fighter, a counter-punching, waiting on the opponent to make the first move, and then he would respond. The fourth and final fight, December 8th, 2012. The first few rounds was, were brutal. Both fighters hitting each other. In the fifth round, it was dubbed as the round of the century. Pacquiao came out swinging and he beat Marquez brutally in the fifth round. By the end of the round, he was so bloodied and, and cut up, knees were buckling, he sweat dripping off of him, he literally fell into his corner after the end of the round. And everybody thought, oh, this is over. They come out for the sixth round and Pac-Man starts pounding on him again, mercilessly. It looks like it's all over. But Marquez employed a technique invented by Muhammad Ali in 1974 where he put his arms up and went up against a rope and it's called the rope a dope. Some of you are dating yourselves right now. And so it looked like it was over. He's all up against the rope and after the fight they asked him what were you doing? He says I was doing the rope a dope and he, he thought in his mind I just need I just need to wait. He, he thinks I'm down for the count. He thinks I'm bloody and beaten and bruised and that I can't recover. But, oh, I've got something for the Pac-Man. And with one second left in the round, he reached back and with one punch, pow! The announcer said, as Pacquiao literally fell face forward to the canvas and just dropped and plumped, he's out, he's out, he's out. The referee didn't even bother to count. It was such a resounding victory. Most of these types of fight end up in another rematch, but there was no need for a rematch after this fight. When asked why there shouldn't be a rematch, he said, you know, there's no, there's no need for a rematch because I beat him so bad, there's no question who the victor is. 
You know, maybe some of that can relate to the resurrection. Our God is the counterpuncher. Satan gave him his best blows on the cross that night. Jesus took every blow. He was battered and bruised and cut and sweating drops of blood. They counted him out. But Jesus had one round left. That round was on the day of the resurrection. And he raised from the dead. The angels moved the rock out of the way. And Jesus walked out and said, I ain't worried about nothing. Look over in Mark chapter Look over in Mark chapter six, or Mark chapter 16. The resurrection gives us a fresh faith. The resurrection gives us a fresh start. I'm almost done. I know y'all don't like to hear the word. I'm almost done. Mark chapter, amen, brother. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. The resurrection gives us a first fresh start. Look in verse 2. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way and to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not there. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples. And go tell Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You know, I don't know about you, but I like this passage. Jesus raises from the dead. The women come to the tomb early that morning and, and on their way, they're worried about the stone. Not talking about Jesus, they're just worried about the stone. Who, who's going to move that big stone? And by the way, where were the brothers? I appreciate you women. Who's going to move the stone? You know, I suggest to you, a lot of us have some big stones in front of our lives too. And maybe you're worried about who's going to move that stone. Some of you are here for the first time and, and you know your life is... Is empty and, and you're hurting just like I was as a college student. And you're wondering, what, what am I going to do in my life? That relationship didn't fulfill me. This job isn't fulfilling me. UCLA isn't fulfilling me. This job isn't fulfilling me. There's some emptiness. There's some loneliness. There's something missing in my life. Who's going to roll away this stone for me? Some of you as disciples, maybe there's some sin in your life that you haven't been able to get over. And it's nagging you and affecting your relationship with God. And it's become a big stone in your life. And you're wondering, who's going to roll this stone 
away. Maybe you're like the women who's going to move this stone so I can get to my Jesus. Well, and they get there and the stone is gone. Amen, church. You know, sometimes we'll be worried about something and God will have already dealt with it. You just walk along, how's this going? And you get there and it's just already gone. And the angels rolled that stone away. I don't know about you, but if I had been Jesus and I walked out, I probably would have went to the soldiers. See, what, what, why y'all beat me like that? I mean, I probably would have scared some people. Boo! I, I mean, I don't know. That's just my heart, you know? And, and why didn't Jesus just stay there? Why didn't he just stay there at the tomb and wait for them to get there? You know why he didn't? Because he told them to be in Galilee. You see, Jesus always goes ahead of us to where we're supposed to be. Oh, y'all aren't here. I don't want to preach to y'all no more. Listen to me. For some of us, God isn't with us because we're not where God told us to be. I just came through the roughest five, six months of my life, but the most glorious. My faith had gotten cold. My heart had gotten cold. My convictions had dampened. I had stopped studying the Bible with people. I was weary and burdened and tired and worn out. My quiet times were so wishy-washy. I had nothing to give my wife, my family, my kids. Nothing to give God's people. And I was overseeding and leading over 10,000 of God's wonderful people. My heart was so burdened. Nobody really in my life to help. And strengthen me. And I'd gotten to a point where I knew, you know what? God isn't here. And over that six-month period, God worked and worked on my heart. My heart began to melt. And I'm like, God, where do I need to go? Where do I need to be? I, I called up Kip, and it was so awesome to hear his voice, and, and God kept working. And I'm like, God, where do I need to be? God, where do I need to be? And God made it clear to me, you need to be with me. Amen. And I had to make a decision to go and be where God is. Amen. And God has led me here. Say, well, God isn't blessing my life. Well, maybe you're not where God told you to be. Jesus is over here waiting on you. And you way back here. He's over here with the perfect Christian man for you. And you way over here. Stone's already been rolled away. You need to go and be where Jesus is. What time is it? Ooh. Okay. All right. Let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. Let me wrap up. I, I've got six months of material. 
Now, this is the thing. This was very early in the morning, a new day. Very early in the week, the first day of the week. A new day, a new hour, a new beginning, a fresh start for Peter. Many scholars believe that, that I mean, uh, for, for uh, yeah, but many scholars believe that, that this letter was actually dictated to Mark by Peter. That, that Peter, carried along by the Holy Spirit, dictated to Mark, and Mark wrote down the contents of this chapter. And you can imagine as he got to chapter 16, and, and Jesus had risen from the dead, and, and, and Mark is dictating that, that Jesus has raised, and, and the angel says, now, now go tell the disciples, and go tell Peter. It's a new day. You can imagine as the lump came up into his throat. It's a new day. A lot of us need a new start. Peter was somebody that didn't keep his promise to Jesus. He denied Jesus three times. And Jesus says, Peter, I'm still here for you. Go tell Peter it's time for a new day. You know, I appreciate so much Kevin Griggs. Kevin is an awesome young man. Kevin actually moved out here to, to, to work for Chick-fil-A, and, and he enrolled at UCLA, and uh, he's a college uh, soccer player, incredible guy, but he had gotten to a point where he needed to find his life, and he said, you know, I need to go find my life up in the Alps. Now, I don't know what's up there, but, but, but Kevin felt like the, it's the Alps for me. And he met a disciple, and the disciple says, you, you, you don't need to go up into the Alps. You need to go into the book of Acts and find your life. And he asked Kevin to put the trip off. And Kevin did and started studying the Bible and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm happy to say today that our brother Kevin is going to be baptized into Christ today. How far are you willing to go to meet Jesus? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to commit to God? You believe in the resurrection? You know, my daughter always says, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. I want to close in Hebrews chapter 13. What have we talked about today? We've talked about and we've addressed the question and we've explored our imagination with the great apostle Paul who actually saw a resurrected Christ. And Paul invited us to consider what if there's no resurrection? What would the consequences be? What would the impact be on our faith, our preaching, our lives? What would the impact be on, on heaven for all of us? And we learned that in verse 20, but there is a resurrection. And thank God we don't have to consider it any further than at the cerebral level. Because there is a resurrection. And because there's a resurrection, we can have a rich faith. A faith that overflows. A faith that allows us to have more faith than what we could ever use or need. Why? Because sometimes all you have is your faith. 
And God wants us to be able to lean on it. We've learned that we shouldn't fear. There's no need to fear or worry about anything because there's some gospel in hip hop and I ain't worried about nothing. We learn that for the disciple, there's only two positions in life. That of being awake and that of being asleep. I ain't worried about nothing. And we've learned that we can have a fresh start in our faith. No matter where we are, no matter what the stone is, no matter how big that stone is in your life, God has perhaps already rolled it away. You just got to go from where you are to where Jesus has told you to be. And we've learned that we all need a fresh start. We need a fresh start in the West region. Some of us need a fresh start in our personal lives. Some of us need a fresh start and we, we just need to meet with the person that brought us here. and We need to study the Bible every day. And let me tell you why all of this is important. And we'll close with this passage. Hebrews chapter 13. I apologize for being so long winded. But it's been six months. Hebrews 13, verse 20. Please take this passage with you. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. Amen, church. And may he work in us What is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.